The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. And a happy Monday, January 28th to you folks. Welcome to the Multimedia Café. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation right here on the Crude Life Media Network and the Multimedia Café. Well, what is the Multimedia Cafe? Let me just give you a brief description quickly before we get into today's guest. Our menu of topics and guests coming up in just a second. But first, the Multimedia Cafe. It's a place where, well, a cafe where you exchange ideas, you talk to different people about different topics. You never know who you're going to run into at the Multimedia Cafe. Plus, you never know how you're going to talk to them. So we've embraced modern technology in all of its forms. So we have conversations over the phone, face-to-face, over Skype, maybe over FaceTime, all kinds of different ways to talk to people. And on the reverse side of that, so if, if you you know ask that nice girl out or ask uh, your husband or wife out and they don't get back to you in time, well, there's a lot of ways that people can ignore you these days. Boy, I, I get ignored over email. I get ignored over text messaging. I get ignored over phone calls. Sometimes I show up and I get ignored. There's a lot of ways that people can ignore you these days. We have done the opposite. We've embraced the ways to talk to people. So we do that here at the Multimedia Cafe. You never know who you're going to run into or how you're going to run into them right here. The Multimedia Cafe. Let's find out what we got on today's program here. Let me see. Let me just pull up. Okay, do we got the menu items? Good. Okay, well, let me tell. Oh, this is a good one. Good program today. Senator Merrill Pepcorn from District 44 in North Dakota. Remember last week we talked to Brent Bogar, and he just finished a study that talked about how 50% of North Dakota's tax revenue comes from two, two, one, two oil and gas taxes, the production tax and the extraction tax. North Dakota has painted themselves into a tax corner like no other state I've ever seen to where their education, their infrastructure budgets, social services, all of these government, I guess, what do you want to call them? Uh, let's see if one's revenues, I guess the other would be costs, you know, the cost of goods sold, COGS. So the government COGS or costs is reliant on two taxes, 50% of it. That's incredible. 50% makes up two taxes. So, well, Miro Pepcorn wants to increase one of the taxes by one and a half percent. So he wants to go to the, uh, put more eggs into a basket. It's amazing. So we're going to talk to uh, North Dakota Senator Miro Pepcorn. Now, I've, I was up front and honest with him. I've known Miro for a long time. He's worked in the media. He's doing a thing called Radio Stars when he's not uh, making laws for the state. So Merrill's a nice guy. His wife, Connie, I've uh, known him for a long time. And uh, I was up front with him before he came on the program and said, listen, um, we do an oil and gas program as well as most of our radio affiliates are in oil and gas communities. So your message might not go over the best, but because we do fair reporting here and we allow experts to talk about what they know about and we allow people a voice we have him on the, today's program, and 
Mural uh, was accepting, and he was gracious for the civil conversation. And that's something we like to do here. We don't like to get into sensational bombasticness. Everybody else is doing that. So, we, you know, we'll do the opposite. We'll just stick with the facts. We'll just, you know, have a little fun from here and there. But sometimes you got to get serious. Sometimes, sometimes you just got to call a table a table. It's not an enhanced chair. And so that's the type of things that we like to do here. Also, Roger Gushus with Healthy Oil Seeds. You know, he's located in the middle of the country in the Dakotas. And he talks about how that impacts his marketplace for both wine and seed oil distribution. And he's in a kind of a little bit of a pickle from time to time because he does the CBD oil, the uh, hemp seed oil. But because of the federal regulations, he's finding out he doesn't have the market like he thought he did. There's a lot of hoops, a lot of red tape when it comes to trying to make your business work. Anything to deal with hemp or cannabis or any Schedule One type of a uh, drug in the Dakotas. So it's uh, we talked to him about that. Roger Gushus with Healthy Oil Seeds, as well as North Dakota Senator Merrill Pepcorn out of District 44. And we wanted to also mention uh, something about the Davis Refinery. Huge victory for the Davis Refinery. And in fact, it's it's even more of a victory for the oil and gas industry. It validates something our sister programs have talked about with the uh, permit to construct with the Davis Refinery, some of the technology that's going on there. Again, it's, it's, it seems like more and more, again, the energy industry is getting validated for having to prove its work. It'll hire engineer firms and architect firms and environmentally uh, scientific firms in order to make their new projects even more environmentally sound and clean than ever. So they present that data. The data seems to be approved. And then somebody somewhere lodges a complaint. And then all of a sudden attorneys get involved. Attorneys have gotten involved so much in the oil and gas industry that multiple executives are on record saying it's the new normal. It's a new norm. You want to do a project? Well, you better have a year to battle in court. And that was kind of being said tongue-in-cheek five years ago to the tune to where in the last year number of executives they just flat out said it so we uh, are very excited about davis refinery the permit to construct being upheld by the north dakota district judge the davis refinery is the first greenfield refinery that will be built in the united states in almost 50 years this technology is going to be well it is it's, it's already top of the line it's going to set an industry standard so this meridian energy groups davis refinery once it's been built it'll be the new new uh, refinery standard for the globe and as i mentioned the uh, meridian energy group they got the permit to construct now that permit was issued on june 13th 2018 as a synthetic minor source we're getting into some detail talk here a little bit but uh, the basic overview was is that the public service commission issued by the north dakota uh, department of health air quality division challenged the thorough 18-month review process which involved a number of government agencies, including the EPA. So Meridian began site preparation. They did the grading, all these construction activities at the Davis Refinery. And then it had to be paused because of this, this challenge and everything. So uh, this winter time, there's not much construction going on, but there is planning. And this spring, though, we're looking at that starter pistol being Pulled off for the Davis Refinery. And that's big news, actually. Big news. It's going to uh, go to Belfield, North Dakota. So communities like Belfield and Beach and Dickinson are going to see immediate impacts with the people that are going to be staying there. They're going to be living there because they're going to be employing people. There was a study done 
up in the state of Washington. I think it was for uh, Anacortes, their, their refinery that was being built up there. And they found out for every job that was added to a oil and gas refinery, it actually added 12 people to the community. It took that many, because the amount of money that is brought in by the refinery and the jobs and the tax revenue and just everything that the family families of refineries work at bring into a community for every one person working at the refinery 12 people were brought into the local community so i mean we're talking about okay 200 people are going to work at a refinery we're going to have 2400 people all of a sudden over the next what couple years going into a community so that's the type of impact that these refineries can have and that's how important it is and that's why we do so much covering of this davis refinery coming out to the bakken on our oil and gas program, The Crude Life, we actually do a weekly segment on the Davis Refinery because is that your kids are going to read about it in history class. That's how important it is. All right, so congratulations once again to the Meridian Energy Group, the Davis Refinery, for having their permit to construct upheld by the North Dakota District Judge. Once again, William Prentice, the CEO, the chairman, who's a friend of the program, as well as Dan Hedrington, who's a uh, senior engineering principal, I'm sorry, senior project manager and an engineering principal with SEH. Those two are working on the project on a day-to-day basis. They are regulars of the program. So we thank you very much for all your hard work, guys. And um, it's going to pay off. And the communities of Belfield, Dickinson, like I said, Beach, you know, New, uh, um, South Hart, all those towns in that area, they're going to be very grateful once the uh, shovel to the dirt happens this spring, so congratulations. Also, if you want to know more information, go to thecrudelife.com, and we've got the links to the story as well as other things. Or, of course, meridianenergygroupinc.com. All right, so we got to take a quick break. When we come back, Meryl Pepcorn is going to join us, and he's going to try to convince the oil and gas communities as well as an oil and gas show host, myself, because I'm, I'm a newsflash, folks. I'm a big proponent of the oil and gas industry. They have done such wonderful things for our economy and for our local communities. And are they 100%? No, but they're definitely more than 70% positive. That's for darn sure. And I think the next closest industry would be about 50. So uh, to say that I'm an oil and gas enthusiast would be an understatement. So he knows he's coming in the lion's den, but he also knows he's going to have a civil conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. I'm your host. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what you're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, North Dakota Senator Emil Pepcorn. He's out of Fargo, District 44. He talks about a bill he introduced that would increase the oil and gas extraction tax from 5% to 6.5%. Well, I got a lot of stuff happening. I got somebody poking me on one side. I got my phone going off on the other side. A busy day here at the Multimedia Cafe. Okay, what, what did I say? The oil and gas extraction tax. Okay, so just the extraction tax. Tax talk, I know, very exciting. Why don't we just go to the interview and let Meryl Pepcorn talk about it? Either way, he's trying to increase the extraction tax from 
five to six and a half and increase the state's overall. So he's trying to get more money from an industry that the state already collects over 50% of their revenue from. This is Merrill Pepcorn. Merrill Pepcorn, state senator from North Dakota District 44, representing North Fargo. Okay, 44 is on the east side of the state with Fargo, North Dakota. All right, and one of the reasons why we're bringing him on today, well, two reasons. First off, let's take a step away from your your senatorial duties for a second. Give, a, give, give me a nice plug for your entertainment business, how you've been making a living, because I love it. And, uh, you know, and it'll kind of set the stage a little bit that you and I have a little bit of a history through this, through the media and et cetera, et cetera. So go ahead and uh, tell people how you're making a living these days. Yes, we do have some history. Well, you know, I went to college, graduating in, well, way back in 1974. Didn't seem like way back just a few years ago, but now it does seem like that. Had a degree in speech, theater, and communicative, uh, communication arts. And uh, lo and behold, I just got a degree in that because, well, I found out that you could. And it turns out my life has basically been spent in those areas. I've made my living in radio, both uh, public commercial radio and uh, public radio. And I've also uh, been an entertainer, playing in uh, various styles of band and currently play in a band called the Radio Stars Band. We play Western music. We play both bands, actually, Jason, country, and Western. And we do a lot of touring around Western North Dakota. And I also produce entertainment events, the most notable of which coming up is in August 16th and 17th of this coming summer, 2019, we're going to do a two-day 50th anniversary of Woodstock Festival at the Blue Stem Amphitheater in Moorhead, Minnesota. Oh, you're kidding me. Combination of all those things. Oh, good for you. Good for you. In fact, um, on on my Multimedia Cafe program, we talked about the 50th anniversary of Woodstock and how, (laughs) you know, I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize that was kind of the first viral event, wasn't it? I mean, you know, people, what, 40,000 was expected and close to half a million showed up. Yeah, yeah. So, and everybody knows about it. You know, it's, it's so funny, Jason. The young kids know about it. The twenty-year-olds, twenty-year-olds know about it. Thirty, forty, no matter how old you are, you know about Woodstock. And you know, the word "iconic" ever get it is certainly for Woodstock, the iconic rock festival. I'll tell you what. I was just having this conversation, and you remember the name Brad Anderson from the old KFGO Kiss oh, FM sure. days. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. So Brad was uh, was in the media a long time and an ra- old yeah. radio guy. And we were talking about the, the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. And he brought up a really good point. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got killed. And, yeah. you know, really, when you think about it, a concert of that magnitude today, when's the last time anybody of 25,000 people or more have gotten together and not broken out in at least one fist fight? <laughs> I yeah. mean, yeah. There were half a million people there. There were 500,000 people there. And Mac, I've been going through old, uh, you know, there's been some documentary films made on it and some recordings. And Max Yasger, uh, the farmer who owned the land where they had the festival, came up on stage kind of unwillingly. And he did say, you know what? I think the world can learn something from you kids. Uh, I know there's about a half a million of you here uh, today. And uh, if the people could get along like you are, uh, we'd all be better off. So you, you're teaching the world uh, how to live together. So, yeah, that's what it was. There, there weren't any problems. There must have been a little ruckus here and there, but oh my gosh, it was, you know, it was a peaceful gathering of 500,000 people. And that, tru- that, that truly is amazing, you know, and it took it took me to take a step back and really think about yeah. that a little bit, you know, yeah. that uh, 
that's amazing. And when you can get a half a million people together in today's modern era and not, you know, have to worry about essentially at the end of the day, having security because everything just is, yeah. is so nice. And anyway, well, th- that's a good, yeah. that, that's a good place to kind of transition back into your senatorial duties. Oh, by the way, um, yes. Uh, yeah. How can people, if they want to con- uh, hire you uh, for your radio stars gig, because we've got affiliates down in the Black Hills and in Wyoming, and I'm sure they'd yeah, love to well, have we you. we love it out there. We played a little bit out there in okay. South Dakota and Eastern Montana, too, sure. Okay, so yeah, do, well, do, you, do you have a yeah. website or a Facebook page or anything? Yeah. Well, no, not really. It's just it's <laughs> just me, Meryl Pepcourt. Well, I do have. Yeah, I do, but it's not for the band. I just have people call me. I throw my phone number out there, 701 701- <laughs> Two zero five two six six five. I mean, you found my phone number. Anybody can find it if you can find it, Jason. But it's, uh, we'll take calls on anything, whether it be uh, oil tax or entertainment or uh, uh, whatever it is. But it's a North Dakota number, seven zero one two zero five two six six five. So simple as that. I, I love it. Tw- Twenty nineteen. You got a website or a Facebook page? Nah, people could just contact me. I yeah. love it. Yeah, just come on over. Sit down and have a cup of coffee. We'll talk about what you want to talk about. Well, what we're going to uh, also talk about is we'll transition back to the senatorial yep. duties yep. now. Um, yep. You Now, you've got a bill either you're a co-sponsor on or you're the chief sponsor on, yep. and it has to do yep. with going to get more money from the oil companies, either through an extraction tax or extending it, yep. or to just kind of, kind of fill me in a little bit what the bill is and how it came about and, you know, the yep. sponsorship and all that. Will do. Very brief history. Back in the 50s, when oil was discovered in North Dakota, it didn't take long to establish a 5% production tax, which basically uh, served the same purpose as a property tax. Okay, so that's been in place, same rate, since the 50s. In 1980, due to an initiated measure, it's uh, a frequently used process to enact laws in North Dakota. It it, uh, begins in the citizenry with petition gathering and then voting, and it becomes law through the initiated measure system. Well, in 1980, a 6.5% oil extraction tax, that's a tax on the amount of oil that comes out of the ground, was made law. Okay, that made the total effective rate 11.5% tax on oil, the production tax and the extraction tax. That served us well well until 2015. Well, it turns out in 2015, the legislature lowered the extraction tax to 5%. And, of course, then uh, that meant a lot less revenue from from the robust oil in, uh, industry. But why they lowered it is because in the law at that time, there was something called a trigger. Mm-hmm. And if oil would – I'm not exactly sure, so but we're close. It, it really isn't that important. But let's just say that, that trigger price was at $30. And if oil fell below $30 a barrel, that that extraction tax, that 6.5% tax, would virtually be zeroed out. And maybe it would be a half a percent, very minuscule. And that would have uh, been uh, really, really tough times for the state government. So I I don't know how these figures were arrived at, uh, how, how it was made, but when the legislature realized that we've got to get rid of this trigger that will eliminate the extraction tax, we're also going to lower the tax from 65 to 5%. Now, what the public doesn't know, what they don't understand, because it's been spun in another way, that the legislature could have eliminated the trigger, but maintained that 6.5% rate. And over the past four years, that would have meant uh, almost... Well, 
millions of dollars over the past two bienniums. So that's the deal. The rate was lower to 5%, but it didn't need to be. It could have stayed at six six and a half while still you know, uh, eliminating that trigger. So now we're just introducing a bill to restore it to that 6.5%, which uh, served the state well for those 25 25 years okay so that's that's pretty much what the bill is is that you're looking that's what it is increasing from it, five and a half to six yeah from five no from five to six and a half oh five to six and a half okay yeah, making the effective overall <laughs> rate with the production and extraction 11 and a half percent you know we just heard the state of the state speech a few years ago and in that speech the chief justice of the north dakota supreme court came back his staff was cut by 30 positions uh uh two years ago and he, he needs an extra judge. He needs people working in his system. And the higher education is looking for $100 million over the next two years. UND and NDSU are two research universities for research to drive the future here of business in North Dakota. We have six major uh, water districts. They each have budgets of approximately $50 million each. Where I'm from, Fargo, they're asking for $50 million for a Red River water supply to get water from the Missouri River to Fargo-Moorhead for uh, economic uh, development purposes. Water's always important. And they also are asking for $50 million for flood diversion. Mr. Muriel Pepcorn, I ask you to hold that thought for just a moment here. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with North Dakota State Senator Muriel Pepcorn. He's out of District 44, that's Fargo, North Dakota, North Fargo to be exact. And he's talking about increasing the oil extraction tax from 5 to 6.5%. More of our conversation, our exclusive conversation with Merrill Pepcorn, right here on the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. I'm your host today. All right, we're going to continue our conversation with North Dakota State Senator Muriel Pepcorn. He's out of District 44, and he wants to increase the North Dakota extraction tax, the oil extraction tax, from 5 to 6.5%. This is North Dakota State Senator Muriel Pepcorn. You know, there's a lot of really, really good places to spend money, including our K-12 education, and that's why we're looking to restore this tax to provide these services that'll make our state uh, healthier, not only physically, but uh, but mentally as well. Just have us better prepared as a, as a population. Here's um, some things that I, I like to bring bring up on this, because yeah. obviously yeah, yeah. you know that I'm, I'm a pretty big proponent when it comes to oil and gas. And, yeah, well, uh, yeah. Hey, you know what? I own 1.43 mineral acres. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're rolling in it then. <laughs> I'm rolling. That doesn't make me an oil baron, but no. I know a little bit about them. I've yeah. been in Montreal County, and you know, we're not out to shut down the oil industry for God's no, sake. No, oh, no, we're, no. But anyway, you were going to say something, Jason. Well, I was going to say, so So there's some there's some things I guess I, I need clarification on a little bit. Because, yeah, yeah. yep. you know, I, yep. I, I understand the, the idea of taxes and the way they work and everything. Yep. But yep. Th- this one kind of per- piqued my interest a little bit. For one, yep. n- n- I, doesn't North Dakota have one of the highest uh, taxes already? Because we've got, what, a production tax and an extraction tax. And if you put those yep. together, it, uh, it's like 10, 11 percent. Yeah, um, 11 and a half. 11 and a half, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah if with, yeah. with the 6.5% extraction tax, that would be 11. Okay. Of course, now, uh, one thing I found out, I wanted to find out exactly where we were. Yeah. I, I would say, Jason, we're above the middle, but we're by no means.
Maine's the highest. Alaska is way up there. I think Sarah Palin had something to do with that. But they're, yeah. still, they're still doing all right. And Oklahoma is the lowest. And, you know, I know Oklahoma is struggling with their budget, with their school system and uh, and other public works that they do. So, you know, mm-hmm. we don't want to be down there either. But we don't need to be the highest uh, highest tax state. But uh, I don't think we're there. Maybe maybe you know better. Well, no. The only reason I bring it up is because yeah. what, what I've learned about the oil and gas industry is, you know, a lot of times they can, they, they can remove – um, emotion if they have to when it comes to things because they got shareholders they gotta they, they gotta adhere yep. to and etc and oh, yeah. I, yeah, I know yeah. that you know that was kind of a, a thing before in the past when it came up was hey if the numbers don't work you know yep. what was what did I say to somebody earlier that um, sometimes it seems like when it comes to going up against the oil and gas industry it's almost like they're they're somebody's trying to play a game of chicken with them. When at the end of the day, the oil and gas industry just plays the game of numbers, and that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Have Have you heard anything back from them? I I know that they don't like this, but no, have you? Of course not. <laughs> and I understand it. Let's not kid ourselves. I yeah. One and a half percent. It is downward pressure on their business. I mean, it is an expense. You know. That, yeah. So I mean, you can't say, well, this is this is a big benefit, but but it's it's. Uh, what, I'll ask you this, Jason. What's more important in determining where the where the drilling is, where the oil activity is? Is it the price of a barrel of oil, or is it would it be this one and a half percent tax? Well, and that, that's where I'm getting at. Because some some of this is kind of um, to me, it gets a little bit tricky at times because I've and seen you're right there. Yes. Yeah, I, I've seen them. You know, when when the numbers hit, it's it's they they can't even they don't have any question. They got to do it. Like I said, they got to adhere to shareholders. Otherwise, it's going to cost more. My my question would be, I, I was I, I've said for years now. I believe that North Dakota has become very reliant on the oil and gas taxes and revenues and that sort of thing. I got that new I got that yeah. new press press release from the um, uh, Petroleum Council and the yep. Western Dakota Energy that uh, Brent sure. Bogar did. Yep. Uh, have you seen yeah, it that? It just happened to come out the day after that. Uh, my bill got a hearing date. <laughs> oh, did it really? <laughs> that's the difference. In- they're, so, they're very well-heeled and well-timed, and you've got a big PR agency and an advertising agency and staffs of attorneys and people watching all this stuff. Oh, that's funny, because so, I asked him about yeah. that. I said, was was this done in a way to kind of, you know, kind of squelch some of the political stuff? And, and you know, and we kind of, he talked more about the myth-busting side of it. But what, yeah. what, I, what, what I took away from that was that 50% of the state revenues depended on oil and gas. And yeah, what, I'll tell you what, you're, that, you're that, right. That's it's, scary. It's too much. That's scary. It's too much. We need, but you know, we, we, we're stri- striving to diversify. And I think that's where our research universities, our education, our other universities, our workforce, workforce training we're working on right now, okay. developing under other industries. I mean, that is important. I mean, you just keep hammering away. You're not going to make giant leaps at one time, but you keep hammering away and developing new business and uh you know we can use some of this oil money too not to put oil money oil out of business it's going to be here but, well, so we don't become so reliant on it what, what i would pass along to you as a lawmaker because yeah. you know you you're you're, yeah. you're just one, one of the voices out there and yeah. you know and, and quite yeah. honestly folks a lot of times when when uh lawmakers introduce a bill it's because one of their constituents wants it done and so that's yeah. you know that's Correct. sometimes how it's done but uh, to me, this seems like it. it th- this is a conversation the state should be having now. If that, if there's that much reliancy, even to go a step further, 
when you look at the amount of people staying in hotels out there and they got to register their vehicles and pay the sales tax, but they don't necessarily live here because they're kind of oil and gas yep. nomadic oh, people. Yeah. Yep. I would even say close to 60% of that state revenue taxes come from the industry then. And, and then even when you kind of go a little bit further, uh, there's quite a bit of donation given by the oil and gas industry. And I'm not, I'm not where I'm going with this is that it almost seems like we're, we're um, going after more from them when we should be looking at what you mentioned a second ago, diversification. Now, this is an odd time to bring it up because you're introducing an oil, oil and gas extraction increase tax bill. Yeah, but, yeah. but do you know what I mean, Meryl, to where it seems I like... I do understand what you mean. Yeah, we and should so almost be I, looking at I'm, some other industries too here. Yeah, and we, and we have to use this income. You know what, Jason? Uh, people aren't going to be using lignite coal and oil forever and ever. I mean, eventually it's going to run out. There are, there are, new, there are always new things coming along in life. And so we do have to look ahead. We cannot just be sitting still and relying on what is here, especially when it comes to oil, because, you know, eventually, even with there's always new techniques to get more oil out, but uh, we have to watch, you know, what's the demand? What does the public want as well? And I think we have to be poised, uh, researching and looking to the future and seeing just what's there. What can be, what can we be working on? And even, even when it comes to developing our natural gas, I mean, it's a shame we're just burning so much off because we don't have the capacity to store it and pipe it and sell it and use it. And that, that, that's kind of right in front of our noses, too, to, to make use of. But yes, you're right, Jason. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. We, but I would say we have to use this money while it is here, while it is our resource here in North Dakota to do those things you're talking about, about diversifying. I got to warn you, I got about 3% left on my phone here. Okay, and we'll, we'll wrap her up here. Um, I, I wanted to point one more thing about that study out yes. that um, I thought, you know, it, it shows how the state, you know, divvied out the, the, the money to different counties and everything. It was nice yep. to see like Williams County and Stark, some of the oil and gas uh, counties, they did get money. They, they did receive some oh, yeah. funds and, and that sort of thing. Oh, I voted for that. Yeah. I voted for that uh, bill, you know, of course. And yeah. they need it. They deserve it. They could use more. Some of that stuff, I mean, it's just ongoing, you know. Now that the activity is greater again, the, some of that wear and tear is back. So well, and we should, well, we should mention, too, in closing, that one of the things we mentioned yesterday when we kind of talked about this is that this is a conversation that continues to yeah. come up over and over again. And so we're just being a part of the conversation. So I, I appreciate your yeah. civil attitude, Jason. Hey, thanks, Meryl. Take care. Yep, you take care. Goodbye, everybody. To listen to the full-length interview with Meryl Pepcorn or to check out other full-length interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. And once again, that was State Senator Meryl Pepcorn talking about his bill that would increase the North Dakota North Dakota oil extraction tax from 5 to 6.5%. So check out more information from Meryl Pepcorn at thecrudelife.com. All right, when we come back, we're going to be joined with Roger Gushus with Healthy Oil Seeds right here at the Multimedia Cafe. Uh, Mr. Spies, I know I'm just an intern, and you talk about some stuff that's pretty complex. Uh, what's a Merrill Pepcorn? I won't ever, ever let you down. I won't fall, I won't fall, I won't fall as long as you're around me. Even when the rain falls. 
Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. I'm your host. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place you never know who you're going to run into or what you're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk with Roger Gushus with Healthy Oil Seeds. He's located in the middle of the country, and he talks about how that impacts his marketplace for both wine and seed oil distribution. This is Roger Gushus with Healthy Oil Seeds. Okay, Roger Gushus is my name. I'm president uh, and, and owner of uh, Healthy Oil Seeds. Uh, we're a processing plant uh, business in Carrington, North Dakota, processing um, specialty oil seeds, including flaxseed, hemp seed, and borage. Well, we'll talk about hemp seed in just a second. I, I think the majority of uh, the people out there that are listening uh, kind of understand flaxseed a little bit, and we can touch on that too, but I think the... There's been quite a bit of education over the last decade on flax seed, borage seed. I don't think familiar too many people are are familiar with that outside of maybe your you know your hippie enthusiast types. <laughs> right. There's not a lot known about borage. Uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of the uh, the average person doesn't know a lot about borage. Borage is a is an annual uh, oil seed. It has many different uses for it, but the oil is uh, the highest source is called gamolinoleic acid or omega-6, and uh, used in many things as far as an ingredient in cosmetics, also uh, used in uh, in diets that are short or low on, um, on gamolinoleic acid or omega-6. And I'm a flaxseed. What are some of the benefits uh, with, with flaxseed oil? Just to kind of bullet point those one more time for maybe somebody who hasn't done the, um, well, hasn't turned on a television or read a newspaper ma- magazine in the last 10 years. Yes, right. Well, flaxseed, I mean, it has many health benefits. It's anti- anti-inflammatory, uh, very good for your joints. It's good for uh, helping to reduce uh, blood pressure. Uh, may help to uh, help you to lose a little bit of weight. Good for your skin. Good for um, uh, digestion. It has a very good fiber. Uh, that's a very good usable fiber that's going to help with digestion. Also, um, it's used in. Well, it's mostly used in nutraceuticals for health reasons, like I just mentioned. But also bakery ingredients. It's used in in bakery ingredients, uh, ingredients of, of many breads and uh, muffins, things like that. 
And let's transition into hemp oil here, and then we'll talk about maybe some of the production elements uh, in just a okay. moment or two. But um, hemp oil, that, that's something that has increased in popularity. Uh, the more education that's being done with hemp oil, uh, the more that you're starting to see it on the shelves. In fact, <clears throat> I was in, I think it was Walmart the other day, and I saw that there was three or four different types of hemp oil now on Walmart's shelves. So, yeah, so, so you're, yeah, you're starting to see like, and I think one or two of them are hybrids, but you're starting to see them show up more and more. So talk to me about your introduction into the hemp oil market and also uh, just kind of why, why it's starting to become popular again. Well, hemp is a crop that we wanted to grow on our farm for a long time, and we wanted to get into the processing side. I think there's a lot of demand for it, and and right, or, and or it has been most of it coming out of Canada or other countries producing it. And there's just, I just felt there's always every reason for, and that we should be producing it in North Dakota and also the rest of America. Uh, it has many health benefits. It is also an anti-inflammatory. It's um, uh, high in omega-3 type uh, or alpha-linolenic acid, and uh, that helps with uh, blood pressure, and and it's good for your skin, um, and it's uh, there's there's claims. I'm not saying that they're they're not pro- probably not proven to be true, but there's claims that it may help uh, reduce the risk of cancer also. I would even go a step further and say when you get outside the United States, you're you're seeing some amazing research. In the in the world of cannabis, whether it be um, from the you know from the female side or the or the hemp side, it's just it's tremendous the amount of work that's going into it. And furthermore, just to kind of get on um, the benefits of of hemp, uh, I was I was doing some research, and a few years ago I uncovered, and I believe is the Tibetan monks would eat one hemp seed a day during their fast. And the reason they would do that is because when day 20 and 25 and 30 started coming, uh, you know, you've got a long time without food. But what that hemp seed would do is it would provide every single amino acid that our body needs. And so to me, I found that very interesting that the hemp seed contains every amino acid that our body needs. So, you know, you're looking at some pretty healthy oil. Um, Talk to me a little bit about the way that you got into this is it was this a way to uh, uh, add additional oils to your already offering, or was it because you saw there was a demand, or both, or I think both uh, uh, got in for 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 both reasons. Well, one thing our core our core crop is flaxseed, and uh, a lot of the, the companies that we do business with do business with with uh, and are are um, have more uh, oil seeds than just flaxseed on their shelves. They also want other oil seeds, including uh, hemp. And and uh, so we wanted to get in and just thought it would complement our, our flaxseed business and our, our, our business with borage. So uh, that's one of the reasons we got into it. And I just felt like you, like you just mentioned about the, the, the health benefits, that it is the, the hemp uh, powder, protein powder, does... Uh, um, it, it 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 is a complete meat replacement. Uh, vegetarians may want to to take uh, hemp because it does have all the amino acids, like you just mentioned. Yes. How did you um, get the hemp? I mean, uh, we should mention North Dakota is under a very strict 
uh, program through the Department of Ag, who's working through, my understanding is, the um, F- FDA in order to do this, pro- uh, or they got some sort of congressional approval to do this program. So um, t- talk to me about your involvement with this uh, particular program in North Dakota. Well, it was part of the farm bill, the latest farm bill, that uh, hemp could be grown in the United States, but it was uh, it was actually as a research project, so all states could go ahead as long as their state legislature would approve um, the growing of hemp. And I think as of 2016, there are 17 states that were approved to grow hemp. Um, and uh, I mean, and I definitely wanted to be part of that, just uh, thinking that there's a, a great opportunity there. So are you buying um, other people's hemp? Because my understanding is that we can't, you, you can't really transport it interstate amongst uh, other states. So if somebody grows it in, uh, you know, center North Dakota, they're, they're going to have to find a buyer within the state. Am I, am I right on that? That's pretty much right. Uh, uh, yes, the uh, processing needs to be done or, or, or uh, should be done within the state of North Dakota. But And I'm the only processor right now. But um, I think in, in the very near future, though, we're going to be able to cross state lines and be able to market uh, uh, our hemp in from North Dakota hemp in Minnesota and some of the other states that have a similar program. It's going to happen. To listen to the full-length interview with Roger Gushis with Healthy Oil Seeds or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The multimedia cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Thank you very much for checking us out today. And also, we'd like to thank our guest, North Dakota State Senator Merrill Pepcorn, as well as Roger Gushis with Healthy Oil Seeds. Thank you very much for joining the program today. And congratulations to Meridian Energy Group getting your permit to construct another validation that your science is correct, that your math is looked over, and everything is copacetic. Just the way you told the state it would be. Now, good for you folks. I know I'm rubbing it in a little bit, but for somebody whose feet have been hold, held over the coals and the fire, somebody has to at least stand up for them and say, congratulations, you've been validated. You've been double-checked, triple-checked, quadruple-checked, and to the point to where we're basically picking on you now. That's how I look at it, to be honest. Once you start trying to ask people for their their work and their rework four, five, six, seven times, you're just flat out picking on them. So congratulations, Meridian Energy Group, for your patience and the quality of your work. Okay, that's going to do it today, folks. My name is Jason Spies. I'd like to thank you very much for joining us here on Monday, January 28th at the Multimedia Cafe. Thank you very much, North Dakota State Senator Merrill Pepcorn and Roger Gushis. For your time today, we'll see you tomorrow, folks. My name is Jason Speaks. We'll be back same time, same channel. And from the staff of the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Speaks, asking you to save your life and enjoy the spice. Case in case it was a good engineer Told the brakeman not to fear Pour on the walk, shovel on the coal Stick your head out the window, see my drivers roll Take your head out the wind, see the drivers roll. One more time, let's pull it all in that railroad station out here and I see Fargo coming up.
Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 